everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is For Really, episode 509, recorded on August 15th, 2018. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walmertis. And I'm Alan Malentano. And then there's, there's a Ken. And an Alex. They're over and there. An Alex. They're We're over. here. This is, uh, unlike last week, where we sent out an email saying it was episode 509, and then it wasn't actually a podcast. I think the exact line Josh opened with is, welcome to the Not PC Perspective Podcast. Even right, though it was still PC perspective, it was yeah. Either way, it's but fine. It went off nice. No, I think it did. I th- and we had everybody we had, had a nice comments. time. Yeah. This and week, Alex we're... didn't didn't curse much. <laughs> this week we're getting back to the uh, the routine. We've got lots of uh, news and reviews and stuff to jump to, so we'll walk through this pretty quick. Uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com/live. Uh, if you want to join us there, we have a chat room. You can interact with us before the show, after the show. Uh, or during, I guess. We, we watch the chat rooms for that, too, for commentary and questions. If you need a reminder about our events, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe. takes you to this page here. asks for your name, your email address, and we'll send you a notification uh, when we are going to do a podcast or a live stream. There may or may not be graphics cards and processors and drivers and stuff coming out in I the mean, near term or long term future there's probably nothing else happening for the rest of the year but if there were hardware releases coming you might expect us to have live streams to discuss them uh, with you know industry personnel so keep that in mind uh, as you go to that uh, mailing list and subscribe to that we also have our Patreon continuing to go at patreon.com slash PC per that takes you to this page here this is your place where you can become a, a, a regular contributor uh, to PC per from like a monetary perspective, you can donate a dollar a month or three or five or $10 a month. If you uh, think the reviews we do are good, the videos we do are good, the podcasts, the, the after show, the mailbags, all that stuff is kind of built into this and all this money goes straight to us. So if you run an ad blocker and you feel like a guilty person, or if you run an ad blocker and you don't feel guilty about it, you should still go to patreon.com slash PC per and help us with that. And uh, anybody who becomes a new patron during the show, We'll get a shout-out uh, on the podcast as well. What if they become a nude patron? Um, the, I mean, we do get a little bit of an icon and an avatar, so it's possible that we'd be able to know that. We'll or they could take just, their money. Or they could, yeah, I mean... Because the last time I Ken's walked in picky. a store with a cowboy hat and said, there's a nude sheriff in town, didn't go well. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Uh, we still have, uh, we have our mailbag. You can go find that at youtube.com slash PC per. We also have our merch store going. You can get that at joshtech.com, J O S H T E K K.com. You can buy t-shirts, death wish raid, still the most popular hot dog down a hallway, uh, super pipe. We do have a classic PC perspective on your chest t-shirt there. Uh, in the in the classic blue, Just we also sounds wrong. What the way you said it? Yeah, I did that on purpose. Maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. we've got mugs. If you want a little Josh Tech on your wall, you want a little Josh Tech on your drink. Uh, <laughs> Who doesn't want you a little, want Josh, Tech want a little Josh Tech? But I'll uh, take maybe it. you want a little Josh Tech on your chest. Uh, you can do that as well. You can get some Josh Walrus holding his his wheel here as well. And uh, uh, I like how we got the uh, glasses pretty correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're, this, this is great. Yeah. You yeah. can get it in four screen if you want. Ooh, and green. That's like Notre Dame green. My wife would probably want that. Yeah. Like British racing yeah, green. Yeah, she wouldn't wear it. But da, she da, might. Da, 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 <laughs> da, it is like British da, racing green. Da, 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 nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for our uh, uh, housekeeping at the beginning. Let's go ahead and jump into... Uh, news. As you can see on the rundown, if you watch the video version, we've got a lot of things to go to go through that are pretty interesting. 
And uh, we're going to start with the major product review that went up this week, which is uh, uh, the second generation Ryzen Threadripper. Man, it's raining really hard here now. Yep. If all the power goes out and we disappear, now you know why. What if this is not like a tornado or anything? Uh, don't we get those alerts on our phones probably? I don't know. Yeah, I'll probably. probably. Uh, so anyway, Ryzen Threadripper 2950X, 2990WX. And, um, you know, Threadripper... You know, I'd like to say one yeah. thing. Oh, you may. Yes, I'll let you. Please. You know, Ken, you did a fantastic job on this, this review. Thanks, Josh. I know. It, it, you, you, I, I think Uh-oh. it was well-balanced. You you had some really fair and uh, balanced? specific benchmarks that did a nice job in showing the advantages, disadvantages of all the different CPUs. I, th- I thought you did a fantastic job. And it was not 40,000 words long. That's just my intro, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, we, we know what Threadripper is. The platform is actually the same. Uh, you got some new motherboards coming from Gigabyte and MSI, Asus. Uh, just basically has kind of like a revision change for it. But what's different this time is, and we've, we don't have to go too much into this because they announced some of the specs already, is the 2950X is now your 16-core, 32-thread part, replaces the 1950X. But this is these are Zen Plus cores, so you get 12 nanometers, a little bit higher clock speeds, Precision Boost 2, um, basically better overall performance, and in some cases by, by quite a bit. A starting price of eight ninety nine, so one hundred bucks less than the starting price of the nineteen fifty X last year. Uh, the twenty nine ninety WX is I was going to say the flagship, but I consider both of these to be flagships just for very different people. Uh, this is your thirty two core, sixty four thread processor, three gigahertz base, four point two peak single threaded boost, two hundred and fifty watt TDP. $1,799 price point, which is obviously very high, but it's actually less than the 18-core Intel part, the uh, 7980XE. Um, so you can see there kind of uh, a fairly significant difference in, in the specifications itself. So we'll dive, we'll dive into that as well. But it's important to note, like the X 2950X versus the 2990WX is a very important distinction between those two parts. The 2950X is still targeted at the enthusiast slash gamer slash I'm going to do a lot of heavy multitasking. I just want like kind of the best products that exist, right? The WX, the W indicates workstation. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I, I maybe would criticize AMD in their launch this time is that the importance of that W is maybe undersold quite a bit. Like the some of the performance characteristics and platform characteristics that exist when going to that 32-core part are so different than the 2950X that just the WX I don't think really drives that home. It still has the Threadripper brand and and it's that, you know, the name in and of itself is uh, you know, enthusiast. Uh, targeted, I would say, you know, yeah. you know, DIY. It's, like it's more, more like an epic than a Threadripper. <sighs> yes, yes. I mean, it case. is essentially an epic processor it's, it's, running it's like at higher a, it's clocks. It's like a lower entry level epic instead of a very, very high end Threadripper. Yeah, the, and and the technical differences are that the twenty nine ninety WX still only has four channels of memory instead of eight channels of memory, like Epic, because they wanted it to fit in the same socket uh, on the same motherboard platforms already exist that only have support for quad channels. So the technical 
div, uh, delineation there is that even though this has four working die, only two of them have active memory controllers. The other two have deactivated memory controllers, and they depend on die-to-die pass-through uh, in order to access access the memory. So I think I might have so, stolen so some of the So if you're doing any kind page. of database work, that's probably going to be a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and any, I mean, and we have tests that show that, right? So this yeah. is uh, uh, a diagram of the 2950X, a.k.a. the 1950X from the previous gen. You can see, you know, two working die, two dummy die, uh, and then how the, the Infinity Fabric interconnects between them. All this we, we understand from last year's Threadripper stuff. When you go into the WX, it's, you know... Very complicated. Like, a lot more complicated, as it turns out. Yeah. The um, connection to the rest of the system is all the same. Yes, Right, it's just they, the but, dummy dies aren't dummy anymore. So, so yeah, if you look at these two die, they both don't have memory controllers and they don't have PCIe connections. Right. So any processing but they do that occurs, have a buttload of cash. They do. Yeah, yes. this is true. But any processing that's done on die one and die three in this diagram, you know, if it wants to access memory, if it wants to access external devices, it has to first pass through to another die mm-hmm. to then access that memory or that PCIe. And interestingly uh, enough, between the two sort of layouts in the in the four die variant we see here, Infinity Fabric is effectively running at half speed. Uh, because they because it they has cut, half the bandwidth. It has half the bandwidth. Yeah. Because the bandwidth has to split between four. Because you're adding more links. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has to connect to, it's not just point to point, it's now. So now it has three connections. Extra hop, it's also a slower hop. Got it. Yeah, Did you be. do a, the, that, that cool latency graph between the different the cores? Test? No, um, on, we couldn't do that on the 2990WX, actually, because that test, only that works test within... requires a single NUMA node, yeah. and this oh. processor only exists in a four-NUMA node thing. Oh. We, we can oh. test a slide on that. one node, but uh, we don't have a slide. Okay, so I'll, I'll just point it out here if we look at it. that the So if you remember back to the original Threadripper and now the 2950X and, you know, and the 12-core variant as well, it can operate in either a single unified memory mode or a NUMA mode where mm-hmm. it is separated into two nodes. Nodes, right? Right. Where each die here uh, each die is, is addressable memory. individually by the operating system. Yep. Right. Essentially emulating a two socket system at that point. Yeah. Yeah. For uh and our recommendation has has always been, I think, to just leave it in Yuma mm-hmm. unified memory mode because it's simpler. It causes you a little bit of latency penalty, but yeah. Uh, in general, it's better most of the case. For this, you don't get that option. And the reason you don't get that option is um, because only die 0 and 2 have memory controllers PCIe connections, mm-hmm. AMD wanted the operating system to be NUMA aware and target those cores and threads first. Right. It wanted to say, hey, go to NUMA node 1 or 0 first and populate all that before you go to the the dies that do not have memory controllers on them, mm-hmm. uh, and because of that, they they don't let you enable a unified mode across it. I wonder I wonder what it even considers that the other two dies worth of cores are connected to, as far as because in Numa, like there's a set of uh, cores, and that set is connected to you know this memory address space. Which is like, you know, some of the yeah. the dims, it, it's, right? It's just an old map. It's not connected to anything. <laughs> yes, I know, but it has to be somewhere. It has to be associated 
somehow. So they would have had to do something like, you know, die They could give it address space and then the architecture itself is responsible for. Right, it would have to be like it have to be like die zero and one are all using the dims hanging off of die zero, and then you know like, what I mean. Is there that is that option Ken available to? It, it it's not right. It's it's always distributing the memory yeah. load across all yeah, of it, right? Yeah. Well, if it's if it's Numa, if it's Numa, it's not distributing it. Right. Yeah. Right. But somehow it has to make a choice that yeah. you know because that memory can go either direction out of yeah. die zero into die one or die three or whichever, right? So we'll look at the performance results of that from a, from a platform perspective. Like I said, still uses the X thirty X three ninety nine platform. Uh, we did we did some testing on multiple boards, but most of it was done on the uh, uh, the ASUS the Zenith Extreme the Zenith Extreme yeah. as you for, can see for here. Both third per Gen one and third per Gen worth two. noting. Yeah, worth noting. Uh, this the fan, fan is new. And the this heatsink heat part right yeah. here between underneath the first PCIe slot is new. Kind of CFMs addition, that right? that fan push through. It's what? It's an added. Yes, it's, it's like added. Like a kit that you I will get. say it's not an annoying whiny fan, which is that's, nice. That's a plus. That was a fear when we opened it up and yeah. saw what it looked like. Uh, that is because of the the TDP increase going from the twenty nine fifty to the twenty nine ninety goes from one hundred eighty <laughs> to two hundred fifty watts for the processor. What you might call a bodge <laughs> instead of <laughs> now the VRMs won't notice that at all. And and once you you know if you do overclocking or anything like that, it's. The, the power delivery is obviously uh, uh, a significant concern, but it seems to be addressed, right? None of the we didn't have any stability issues. I mean, yeah. to be honest, we tested without the fan and slot configurations, and it was fine. Yeah, we didn't I mean, add the, the fan the, until we started kind of evaluating. Yeah, you can see this. This is the new heatsink. The current that comes in that kit. The right current here. passing through those VRMs is probably within its limit. It's just that they they didn't build enough heat dissipation in to run them that high. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think we did some. We had some early thermal tests, and they were hitting over 100 C in this underneath the socket, right, yeah. without the heat sink yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. So definitely noticeable. Uh, and this is that MSI board. Is this the Meg? Yeah, it's a 24. Is that phase, named after the shark? Shut up, Meg. I don't. I don't. Could be the know. shark, it's, the Megalodon, right? That's all the hype now. That CPU is just so huge sitting on that motherboard. Oh, wow. Just we tested it uh, both. Did we do? Did we show results for the air cooler as well? Uh, that's coming. I have to pu- push that up tomorrow. Okay, we did. We did testing with the Wraith Ripper. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but our testing for the initial review was done with the Intermax full coverage. Uh, I'll, I'll just new... go ahead and say Wraith Ripper is probably not worth a hundred bucks. Find another cooling solution. It's it's <laughs> yeah. neat, but it has a lot of compromises. Yeah. Oh, so I'm not going to walk through every benchmark here, but I'm curious. Which ones stand out? What what shows? So let's let's get this guy out of the way. The gaming stuff first. Um, and the twenty nine fifty X does really well here. Um, the the Zen Plus core improvements, the latency reductions, uh, do very well. And now you're getting essentially two X the benefit of Zen Plus because you have two dies instead of. Mm-hmm. Instead of just one, mm-hmm. well, well, scroll, scroll back up a fuzz there. So the the twenty nine fifty versus the nineteen fifty, these are both the same rough configurations. Uh huh. Twenty nine fifty runs at higher clocks. It's just a very slightly higher clock. So it's like a similar difference between going from the seventeen hundred X to twenty seven hundred X. You mm-hmm. have higher clocks because of X of R two, the dynamic overclocking stuff. Improvements, process node shrink, and when you're not utilizing all of the threads, if you're like in the, if you're not utilizing just one or two or all of them, the ramp is smoother, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you're getting more clock speed in your medium usage situations. Okay. Um, now, what you'll notice here is though, uh, go back to the top. 
there's something important to discuss. Oh, yes, yeah. please. So, like we saw with Threader for One, there is the sort of legacy compatibility mode, as they call it, where with the 1950X, you could kind of split it into a, I guess, a one-die configuration. Yeah, it was eight cores. That would emulate thread. an 1800X. Yep. Mm-hmm. With the 2990WX, you can split it into either a two- or one-die configuration, so essentially a 2950X or a 2700X in broad generalities. Uh, we tested with the 2990 wx in the stock configuration in the quarter core mode we, we chose quarter core because we didn't have time to test both of them and we kind of wanted to maximize gaming performance mm-hmm. this is that would be the best case scenario for any gaming scenario which was how many dies that mode what how many dies was that one mode? one die, Just one die. Oh, okay. no. it does cut you to two channel memory which is interesting as well yeah yeah but it's <sighs> You so have to reboot to enable this still yeah. because it's an option set in the BCD file same, on Windows. Same, same as it's been. It's uh, not a convenient thing to enable. It is not. And what you'll see here is, so the 2950X, I will say, does better than I expected in the gaming tests. Um, is it is it beating the, the Intel 8700K? No, not all the time. In a couple of cases like this Ashes test, it does. Uh, but pay attention to... You know, the top two results are the 2990WX standard and then in gaming mode. Now, what you notice here is a couple of instances the game doesn't start because it freaks out seeing um, 64 yeah, threads. It's like, you want me to do Very what? similar to what happened last year with the first Threadripper where some games wouldn't start 32 with 32 threads, threads yeah. showing. Yeah. Um, and it seems that some people updated their, their INI files but didn't, didn't go high enough <laughs> did it poorly. in the don't freak out You'll never setting. need more than 640. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, here's one of the results that's not great, right? So the 2990WX and its default state is running at less than half of... Uh, what the 29WX could do in gaming mode. I do wonder why GTA 5 did that. That's like a, it seems, seems a weird. It's not the only one, right? So Assassin's Creed Origins no. has a huge drop, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so, um, Total all War Warhammer is a huge All the games drop. happen to are fairly CPU dependent. So I think they're running into issues with latency, essentially. Yeah, they're talking yeah. to the wrong. They're talking to the wrong dots. The, 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 yeah, the Windows scheduler can't. It's not, can't it's not properly assigning the threads yeah. uh, as it should be. Now, I want to say, like, there's been a whole lot of crap going on on you know about oh I can't believe you tested games on these processors like this is this is something we were always going to do right this yeah. is it's still I understand AMD's desire to to bottleneck this into a workstation part and as you see in these tests like it should definitely be that this right. you shouldn't buy this if you are a gamer who happens to do some content but if you're doing almost all content. And yeah, maybe a little bit of gaming, yes, and you don't mind going work. through the pressure, you know, the kind of the pain in the ass of rebooting when yeah. you want a game, and then rebooting again when you want to go back to work let, and let, stuff. Let's think about if you were a game developer, where compiling your game had to really take advantage of thirty-two yeah, cores. That's However, that's testing true. it might come into very big. Like, yeah. you might run into very large issues. Now, if you were a developer, you could probably address those issues to some degree. Yeah, it's not every probably. game exhibits those behavior. Yeah, there's actually one game I think it was Middle Earth that performs way better in the uh yes uh well for honor does oh wait no 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 i mean oh here no yeah i I don't remember what title was i think there was one that did yeah well not that one's not way better yeah but like four to seven clearly doesn't have the deficits of uh, i mean it's it's a more gpu bound game than a cpu bound yeah the cpu bound game showed the issues with the sort of 32 core mode yeah and so it worked I, I don't I don't knock the 2990WX for these results necessarily. 99, 99, 990WX. <laughs> Jeez, what's <Pete's. laughs> 
because of this. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's just something to be aware of, right? Yeah. If, if, if you're going to build it, if, if gaming is even kind of partially the reason you're building a new system, get the 2950X or get a 2700X, right? Or look at one of the Intel processors, right? Like, don't spend an 18, don't buy an $1,800 processor because you want the cachet of having a 32 core part mm-hmm. if you're going to leave it in game mode 50% of the time with 16 or 8 cores enabled, yeah. kind of wasting it. So, And the other thing to consider... Uh, gaming aside, is that there might be some other applications that wig out when you throw sixty-four cores at them? Yeah, like it's there, entirely there might possible. Be. I mean, this this you is <laughs> this is forcing a more widespread awareness of non-homogeneous computing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it it's it's going to cause some pain till people get caught up on it. But yeah. and, it's not a bad thing. And in the Windows scheduler's defense, it wasn't really designed with the idea of that many layers worth of complexity regarding, oh, you have multiple sockets and those have multiple cores in them and those have uh, memory spaces and DIMMs specific to each, you know, physically connected to each of these two separate sockets, right? Like that's what they tried to put into the scheduler stuff as far as like the configuration that it gets passed from the BIOS, we know when you're booting. And like now you add this additional layer where you might have, cores that are actually like you don't want to use them in like a last resort right? right like you want to use the ones obviously that are connected to their own memory first and you want to make sure you're you're putting the contents in the correct spaces so that right. they're on the local dies right but then you know and, and there, there's another component to this and the chat has been mentioning it a lot and it's the performance difference between windows and linux on the 2990 wx mm-hmm. linux shows substantially better performance with yeah. this processor because it's the Linux kernel at this point is more built for that's like they've been playing yeah. for new for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. not, not only huge yeah. numbers of threads, but like I wouldn't be surprised if that oh, I haven't looked into this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have some additional layer of like prioritization where a Linux like a current Linux kernel can probably be prioritizing those dies versus the other yeah. you know yeah. slave dies I, or whatever I, I, you want to call I'll them. Point right? everyone at the Pharonix articles. They did their initial yeah. review and then they actually did a comparison with Windows. They're great. We're probably not going to touch Linux for now because yeah, honestly, they, they well, did such a good look at, damn job mm-hmm. and that's what they do. So let's if let's you, finish up yeah. our our Threadripper discussion here and and point people to the article. But I want to look at some of the tests where these guys do good, right? So if you look at Cinebench, kind of your classic multi-threaded test. Here's a single-threaded version of it. 2990 and 2950 doing very well here. Now, if you look at multi-threaded, like this is where you go, oh, shit. Like, this suddenly is actually, oh, now I get it, right? If you're yeah. doing CPU-based rendering, if you're doing um, and that's Blender good. workloads, okay, well, that's pretty, pretty good considering how much bit. data is being thrown and around during that time. notice there. I mean, just in this, yeah. Yeah. look how close the 2950X is to the 7980. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's mm-hmm. two yes. more cores yep. and Four more threads. That that might That's be a common really theme close. among all of these benchmarks, actually. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at Blender, you see that you see similar stuff here, um, where you know the 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 twenty nine fifty X is actually faster than the seventy nine eighty XE, and yeah. this is a lower is better in ninety two yeah. seconds there. And then you like go it's, down it's, here. It's, it's a little it's, bit. It's, sh- it's a little bit. Sh- well, in that case, it's more shy, but it's a little bit shy of like a you know perfect scaling, right? Because of where those extra cores are, right? Right. So, so you're supposed to get... screw around while you're waiting for it to render. 
Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Too quick. Jeremy was complaining at SIGGRAPH as well that things that render too fast means you don't, give, you don't get any off time to like look yeah. at your phone and Can't go get, get coffee, coffee and stuff. You know. you know. Pavre, another example of a, of a, of a CPU-based renderer that hugely benefits from the cores of that. Um, Handbrake hand is interesting. Handbrake, yeah. like video encoding at this point is, is getting to a point where the threading benefits are starting to be... There's there's ways around it. Diminishing returns. Like but. Handbrake is one of those where the application isn't necessarily optimized to go that to yeah. scale that high. Yeah. Right. You, there's probably other ways to encode where you can see better scaling. But the question there is because there were some people that uh, like recommended some other tools in the comments of the article sure. even. And like Ken and I were looking at each other like like what is that? Like we hadn't even heard of it. We had yeah. to research it. Turned out it has something. It is yeah. something that's been around for a while. But like there, there, there is a bit of credence in this, and I'm going to do some research to find maybe some more modern tools, some yeah. stuff doing X two six five and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I feel that all the scenarios we tested are very real world scenarios yeah. that people go through all of the time. That's what we aim for. But right, uh, and, I and, think and be, there's another level that could maybe take more advantage of. Yeah, threads. and in that respect, we're doing the same thing that the theoretical purchaser of this part would also have to do themselves, right? They're probably already using Handbrake. They're going to have to research this other tool, like, oh, I have this many cores. Handbrake isn't able to take right. full advantage of it. Now yeah. i got to figure out this other thing and, you know, kind of change my workflow to take advantage. Or Handbrake might, you know, be updated. Last page here, power consumption is high. Weird, huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) this is stock settings. It's using so the 32 core uses 127 watts more than uh, the 16 core, and you know, I mean, pretty much 120 watts more. I mean, that's a lot. Oh, it's it is a lot, but it's 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 less than two x. Twenty nine fifty. You doubled the cores, and it's not. Yeah, look at the 2950 compared to the 7980 XE. They're about on par. Yeah, two watts and a significant jump in performance. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be an AMD fanboy, but, you know, price performance on the Threadripper 2950 is is really Honestly, even not price performance, performance. Like, it beats beats the Intel processor and it beats the Skylake X X stuff in multi-threaded tests, even though it's deficient by two cores. And in most single third workloads in gaming, it's right there, if not winning as well. Yeah, it is the best all around processor that you could buy in the sort of HEDT high end <laughs> space, and it's cheaper. Yep, it's yeah. an absolute no brainer at this oh, point until we like see cheaper. new stuff from Intel that maybe will change the performance game, yep. but it's still not going to be cheaper. So check yeah, out check true. out the review. Ken did a good job, as Josh pointed out, on the twenty nine fifty X and twenty. No, he didn't. He did not. He takes it all back. So also one uh, one core thing. Yeah. We got the twenty nine ninety WX to four point one gigahertz at six hundred and twenty watt system power. Ooh. Good lord. So it went from three eighty seven to six twenty. Yeah. Wow. So right. So, so going like going up the north the side of this. from the uh, from the from the wall to the computer. Yes. You know, and I did feel it warm up. <laughs> oh, I decided not to. The next dark welding <laughs> project will just be arc welding. Oh, with this is why the X399s come with two uh, 12 volt oh, eight pin yeah. connectors in addition. Yeah. And sometimes a PCIe one you can plug in too. What were you going to say, Alex? So this is, you know, the 2990 is the high end Threadripper 2. Yep. Nope. Nope. Second generation Threadripper. Second generation Threadripper. Oh, sorry. Believe me, if I could have typed Threadripper 2, I'd have been a much happier person a couple of days ago. (laughs) You know, macros. (laughs) Macros, man. Come on. Yeah, true. So, just to complete the 
you know, the scale here, how much more does it cost to go to the 3264 Epic with everything enabled? A lot. I mean, you've got, I mean, the problem is, is you've got different motherboards, different platforms. Yeah. Um, you, you don't get the same kind of build a system capability that you do with that. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and those don't come with a Southbridge. What? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you get a platform, it's going to have, it's going to have a, it's going to have controllers on it. What well, it's got to have some control, but not so much the stuff that you won't have you USB three point one user because everything like comes yeah. off the CPUs on those. Yeah, I mean, you they don't really have a specific for the with. processor alone. The cheapest Epic thirty two core processor is two thousand dollars more, and it's a mm. two gigahertz base, three gigahertz turbo. Okay, so it's mm. substantially lower. Plus the platform considerations, which are. Yeah, this this is dramatically not, more expensive. This is not apples to oranges in any way, shape, no. or form. It was just the how much you get those extra two controllers. A lot, a lot. <laughs> All right, let's move away from this. We've got a lot of other stuff. We talked about it for a long time. Let's be quicker. We've with only the next talked stories. about that for like forty minutes. I know exactly. Okay. Um, ASUS ProArt PA32UC. This is uh, a, a continuation of our look into. HDR monitors, a 4K Damn it, Ken. HDR Ugh. monitor. Um, this is not a G-Sync. It's not FreeSync 2. This is Pro Series. It's like for the type of person that might need a 2990WX. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Like a workstation class user. Um, this is... Well, first of all, what price point are we looking at for this? Uh Seventeen ninety nine, seventeen ninety nine, just like the twenty nine ninety WX. These guys are matched out there. It's nice. From a specification standpoint, it's a thirty two inch, uh, four K, thirty eight forty by twenty one sixty, eighty five percent rec twenty twenty, ninety nine point five percent Adobe RGB, ninety five percent DCI P three, and it is calibrated out of the box. Yeah, right. Which is one of the key differentiators of Pro Series versus traditional mm-hmm. displays. Right. Uh, HDR ten support. Thousand nits brightness. It does support no. adaptive sync. Yeah. So technically, it's a free sync. It's not a. No, it's an adaptive sync monitor. It isn't a free sync monitor. Yeah. What's I the think difference? Still that branding that you. Well, have to sure. Go through. If you open up, if you have an AMD GPU installed, do you get to enable free sync? Probably. Probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Thunderbolt uh, USB Thunderbolt three input uh, with one output HDMI uh, and. Um, does it have four HDMI? Yeah. And a display port. So essentially you can think about this as this is like that G-Sync monitor. version of that G-Sync monitor we looked at. Uh, at 60, 60 hertz. Yeah. And yes, because it still has a 384 zone yeah. uh, local dimming. Yeah. They, they share performance was essentially identical between the two. They both looked fantastic. Couldn't really tell a difference if you had them hmm. side by side. It's 32 inches. It's limited at 60 hertz because professionals don't really need high refresh at the at the moment. Right. Uh, has a really nice stand. Like it's it's really well built. It's all made out of aluminum. It's it looks way less gaudy than the right. uh, RG Swift G Sync stuff. It has Thunderbolt three support. So if you have a notebook that you want to plug in, it just works natively. You can do the USB hub so and power USB delivery power, and okay. display port through the one cable, which is super nice. Uh yeah, I mean, I mean that, we, we've gone over HDR support in Windows recently. No issues there. Like it's, I mean, it's not perfect, but it, it's where it's at. It's, yeah. it's where Windows is at with HDR. So yeah. there you go. Uh, we did some of the calibration testing, seemed to match up with what they claimed. Um, 
it's it's interesting. You did mention that there is a competing monitor that's like seven hundred dollars less. Yeah, it's the last not generation version of this monitor, essentially. Okay. So it's the same color accuracy, the ninety nine point five percent Adobe RGB, but it doesn't have the backlight capable of HDR. Mm. Okay. So it, it's definitely a trade off. If you're a video professional at this point and you're buying a high end professional display, it would make sense to buy the HDR one because sure. it seems that's the way we're going. That you will need to work on HDR stuff at some point yeah if you're a gamer for 200 bucks more is it still 1999 though didn't i see the prices were going up on the on the asus g-sync hdr display they're going down yeah they're oh, it's going, going down. down well i I'll, i will say both of the g-sync hdr displays at micro center are consistently 1800 bucks oh yeah. really interesting yeah. okay so same okay. price if, um, you're, if you're if you're a gamer don't buy this you know right. if you need this if you're a video professional if you do if you do high accuracy photo work I mean, look at that guy skiing. Look at the brightness of that yeah. image. It's so HDR. Yeah. Vibrant. All right. Check that out. Uh, PA32UC. That review's up on the site as well. Now we're going to talk with Alan. We're going to ask him to talk as quickly as Alan can talk about an SSD product. This one. Oh, God. The, <laughs> the Intel SSD 660P, which is QLC. Yes, we finally have QLC. It's QLC. Is Nothing it new to talk about here. Uh, it's getting there. All right. It's trying. Fine. It's it's almost ten cent per gig class. <laughs> no, it, if it's if that goes all the way up to nineteen cents, yeah, that's, is, that's, we're inside that. Okay, so these are twenty cents a gig. Oh, MSRP. Okay, is twenty cents a gig. Yeah. So right. right out of the, this, this is an NVMe SSD for twenty cents a gig. These are NVMe SSDs. They're QLC. They now have now, SLC cache yeah. that is adaptive. It. it the cache size changes as the capa- the fill capacity of the drives change. Yes. It right? gives you basically it, it runs the QLC flash, QLC capable flash in SLC mode, and it keeps as much of it in SLC as it can get away with. Right? So initially it starts off, you see it as like a one terabyte drive, but in reality the flash is configured so that you only have like a quarter of a terabyte. Okay. Right. And it's just all running in SLC mode. And then as you fill it, eventually, you know, in idle during idle time or whatever, it'll see that, okay, now the drive's getting upwards of like a quarter full. I need to start making some room. And so I'll start sort of folding this uh, SLC space over into QLC. Got it. Basically giving you four times the room for, you know, four times the bang for your buck for your storage, right? Um, now... You would think disadvantages, well, if you're a person that just runs, you know, I buy a one terabyte drive, I want to fill it all the way. Dang it. Well, there's still at least like six gig worth of, right. on the one terabyte, I think there's 12 gig worth of uh, what's called a static yes. cache. Six gigs for the 512, doubling it to the one terabyte, doubling it again to 24 gigs of yeah. static cache. So you always have at least that much SLC to deal with, which yeah. is what you might be used to if you've seen any of the reviews on any of the Samsung Evo-based drives in the past, right? They always have a static cache. Right. Um, it, more recent models have added sort of a dynamic cache, but nowhere near as large as this. So um, why is that important? What what makes the SLC cache more important now for QLC? Because when you run out of the cache, it's like hitting a brick wall. QLC write speeds yes. are slow. QLC read write speeds, speeds mm. fine. Read speeds are fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they're supposed to be a little bit slower, but it doesn't really show on this particular product because okay. it's, it's not saturating the bus on the read speeds in the first place. It's doing good, but it's, you know, it's a little bit not super fast on sequentials. Uh, still way faster than anything SATA, you know. Uh, um, but uh, when you run out of it, uh, there's a couple of things working against you. One, Q, 
QLC write speeds are going to be slower because you're trying to get the cell voltages to, to double the precision of before, right? You've, you've doubled the number of Essentially states. Essentially what is enabling the, the Q in QLC. Yeah, you've doubled yeah. the number of states, stable states, uh, that are going to be considered as, like, different values, right? So you've gone from eight different states to 16 different voltages for within each cell um, to do four bits instead of three bits. Um, and that takes extra time. You have to be more careful nudging those voltages to the But the benefit place. is, in theory, cost, yeah. right? Capacity 30, per dollar. 33% more capacity for what would be the, the same die otherwise space, the same space. Yes. Okay. Um, which translates to the lower cost. Like, this is why these things are coming out at 20 cents per gig, right? Yep. That's a direct result of it. Um, so to try to avoid the potential... You know, brick wall, and it, there you go. There's that blue line down there. That uh, sustained, saturated rights. Yeah. So for mm. one terabyte, it was around like a hundred meg per second or so. Ouch! Uh, Got hard drives faster than that. Yes, it is. But here's what you have to, Here's what you have to realize <laughs> with this caching. Any kind of normal use, and even kind of heavy use, because I was trying to run out of cash, just doing like simple experiments and stuff, and just yeah. like, what can I really dump on this thing practically. Uh, I couldn't fill it. Like I just couldn't get it to sat to saturate like that. I had to run something synthetic in order to see what it looked or like. Or do like a large file copy off of a faster SSD or something like that. You basically have to have another NVMe SSD in your right. system right. and copy. Because even if you were dumping some, some large stuff from a SATA SSD, say you had, well, that would be 500 meg per second. Do you have that graph in here? If you're... Um, the graph that shows... I don't think no, we, no, put, that. Don't think we put that in there. Yeah, um, but basically, like the drive will try to fold in the background if you're not writing to it at full speed. Right, right. So it can write like, SLC writes. It can do. So like, it's trying to catch up while the writes are still happening. Yeah. So yeah. Like, it can do a gig and a half per second worth of writes. But if you only wrote at say 750 meg per second, roughly half of that time. So it's this folding. gray this gray bar is the burst writes. Yeah. Which is where you're giving it time. That's SLC speed rights, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in that case, it, you know, you, you would have the theoretical, say, that you started from empty and the drive would have, you know, 200 and something. Or like for the one terabyte model, it would have like, you know, high hundreds or whatever worth of yep. uh, gigabytes worth of cache space, right? You'd have to write even more than that in a row if you were writing it slower because it's emptying it while you're trying to fill it, right? right. There's a hole in the bottom of the bucket while you're... <laughs> Pouring the water in, too. Yeah. Right? Um, Dear Liza. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, so end result is, you know, Intel was trying to be, like, super conservative on the, like, you know, yes, there's, this, there's that brick wall again on the new version, revised version of our cache test. Um, so that test is, there's different gaps of time in the middle there, but it's doing 60 seconds. There's one solid minute worth of Full speed sequential writing. Max speed writes. Yeah. Yes. Which, it, which, as you can tell by those orange lines in each of those passes, it's getting upwards of 80 or 90 gig worth of data written. Before it would slow down. In many cases, it didn't slow right. down. But it, it, when it does slow down, it's, it's getting to, to at least 70 gigs across. Yep. And in the cases where right. it did slow down, it's like it slowed down in the wrong place. It's like... Yeah, in the beginning. It's Yeah. In other words, it was idling... 
some period of time from the previous large right, and it was trying to like empty the cache and do probably other rearranging in the background. And it was like if you really loaded it down, then you might potentially catch it going slow for the first few seconds of the next large right. Yeah. But then it's still after like ten or twenty seconds, it kind of like snapped out of it, mm. and it went, oh, he like the user actually wants to write full speed, and it did whatever it needed to do to accomplish that. And like think of what that's uh, what is that? That's eight total passes. Worth of, and the drive wrote roughly, you know, between 70 and 90 gigabytes per pass, yeah. right? Like, you know, they, they counted on Intel to be passive. Well, they counted wrong. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the cache is more than enough to overcome the potential pitfalls so, of the QLC. So, what, so what's the net result, right? Is it a good consumer drive? Like... Yeah, like it, the, the results are right in line with, you know, if you look at uh, where are you at? Burst, go up like Burst 4K Random. So Burst 4K Random is going to be like kind of your, you know, the blue bars are kind of like your snappiness of the drive, roughly. Okay. You know, your low Q-depth random read performance, you know, like heavy random workload, uh, considering it's consumer drive kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's right in line with, you know, like 19K for, for low Q-depth random writes is a very respectable number. It's not as high as a 970 Evo that's like... 22k but it's close and it's actually really close to western digital that that new wd black that josh is probably going to talk about later but Mm -hmm. you know which is also very good drive right so if it's up there with very good drives but that wd black is not 20 cents a gig i don't think right so that's the key here good decent performance you know respectable performance not uh, not going to beat samsung right but if you can get it good enough and make it, you know, like you start comparing prices of Samsung drives, like this is potentially like 50% off. The, like, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's important to point out that like something like this mixed burst test that you have that even though it's it's slower than the 760p, it's slower than the 970 Evo. Yes. It's significantly faster than the SATA drives. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's way faster than SATA drives. So it, it, it's... it's Again, they, actually, they kept calling it NVMe class performance, and it's on the bottom side yeah. of NVMe well, class it's, performance. It's actually close to again the the Western Digital drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's reasonable no, on when, the on the reads at least. Yeah, you want to pay attention to the blue bars on that test. That's yeah. your that's your one that's your pain point where you the thing you would be paying attention to. Got it. As far as how much time yeah. it was taking, right? Yeah, and then that's there's your read service time. So yeah, yeah, not as you know not as fast, but obviously like you know more than twice as fast as, than SATA. Uh, doing those, and I think things. the most important part about this is uh, here. Well, this price, which is pretty darn good for MSRPs, um, also five-year warranty. Yep. Which typically, like the TLC drives, will usually get like the three-year warranty. Oh, okay. MLC drives okay. usually so get the five-year. Cheap. Yeah, and it's just one it's terabyte just, for two hundred bucks. It's just crazy, yeah. crazy cheap. It's just, now there is a question about the the TBW on this. Yes, the endurance numbers are yeah. are slightly lower than what you're used to seeing from even like a TLC drive. So I think we understand why that exists. Absolutely. Does it concern you? Uh, no, because the numbers from even something like a 970 Evo were pretty high already. Yeah, like TLC typical endurance numbers, pretty high. Like the I think the which model or which uh, capacity was it? I think like the half a terabyte works out to something like. Uh, that works out to something like 50 gig per day or something. I put it in a text, I think. We're talking about it. Yeah, it comes to over 50 gigs per day every day, including weekends, for five years. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you're you're combining, also even taking into effect five years versus three years, fifty gig per day on average is hard to hit. Well, yeah, that's, that's a lot of porn. Right. I mean, it might download. it might be something you do several days where oh, you're sure. downloading games or yeah, watching first, all of Josh's videos. When you first, if it's your Steam game drive and you first get it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's your Steam game drive when you first get it and you bought the smaller one, again, I'm using like the worst case. Yeah. Right. I'm using yeah. the yeah. the half a terabyte part. Right. Um, if you completely filled it. Right away, yeah, you might have blown through a week and a half worth of worth of your right endurance, but are you going to completely fill it again, like yeah. within the next week and a half? Probably not. Yeah, right. I agree. Um, Technoscope says in the chat like he's not impressed with the price, and he links to the Crucial MX five hundred. It's about the same price for a one terabyte drive. It's ten dollars cheaper. It's ten bucks cheaper, <laughs> but it's it's a SATA drive, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. whole point of this was getting NVMe class performance at SATA pricing, and that's what Intel that. was going and for. That's and what you're doing. I mean, they got there, in yeah. my opinion. Like that that was their specific goal. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's definitely sad of prices. I'm not, they, I'm they, they hit the compromises just right with this product mm. as compared to everything else on, on yeah. the market at that area. That's the thing. And and if you're the kind of person that you're still worried about the endurance or you're still worried about the performance, then okay, yes, uh, twenty cents a gig. Is not for you. You have to spend go to it. 970 Evo, 970 yeah, Pro. Yeah, you have yeah. to spend a little bit more. You're, you're not. You're not in the scope of what this drive was made for. This is like your Intel mainstream, typical person drive. Right. Right. Um, and in that respect, based like on that the, Toshiba drive in the really small form factor in VMA. What about it? That it's kind of aimed at that same area. It, it doesn't have DRAM on it. It's just the controller and the NAND. Yeah. And it's really, it's tiny. Yeah, that's also true. It is very yeah. tiny. It is very tiny. Uh, yeah, and it looks like they were hitting about MSRPs on the pricing. Yeah, the MSRP, so as I suspected, is riding like a little bit high, but it's also like hard to find right now. Yeah, it's still, still, still coming into it wasn't. It was in stock like last week. Um, All right, can we move on? We go read the 660p no. review. We, I got, okay. I'm looking at this list on the screen, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's get to this. Should have seen that list it. before we yeah, cropped it. Uh, let's talk about what Nvidia did this week. Jeremy and I were both in Vancouver. He lives there. I was visiting. Uh, we went to SIGGRAPH, and we got to see the announcement uh, officially of the Turing Turing Turing. Not Turing. Turing. Turing would be T-O-U. This is the Turing. It's not a car. Yeah. Architecture. This is a new GPU architecture. Um, man, has there been a lot of rumors and speculation about Turing and Ampere and GeForce and Quadro and Tesla and what was going to be what. And now we're starting to get all the answers and, and here it is, right? This is uh, uh, a new GPU. They announced three Quadro cards that use it. The Quadro RTX 8000, 6000, and 5000. I said RTX. Um, which is, should be no surprise to you if you're paying attention. The RTX is a ray tracing technology that they, I guess they, they didn't just announce it in March at, at GDC, Ken, is that right? I think yeah. that's when they did it. Yeah. So now these graphics cards are branded RTX. And the reason they're branded RTX is because these, this architecture has CUDA cores in it. It has tensor cores in it. Mm-hmm. for AI processing and inference especially. And it also has RT cores, a.k.a. ray tracing cores. 
The ray tracing cores are responsible for uh, the traversal of the ray tracing structure, the the hierarchical data structure of ray tracing. It accelerates that um, and basically is NVIDIA's stance that they are... um, So the ratings on the RT cores are just the rate of rays per second. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not a specific number of cores they're telling you. They're just telling you the rate that it can. Correct. I don't. I don't know if they. I know they talked about. You know. I mean. I don't think they gave you what the I, RT cores are. I don't know if they. I, I think yeah. I heard the number. Yeah. Of like each individual core somewhere, but I don't. Remember. Even if I knew right. what the number was yet, I don't know what that means yet. Like I. Do, I haven't. It hasn't been defined for me what an RT core is specifically. How Magic. they work together. Um, what their well, you know, memory how, structure is. Like it, all kinds of things. I don't. It's I mean, all about the giga rays. Yeah, I mean that's going to depend. Baby, that's going to depend on how granular you want your scene rendered. Right, like the more detail you want, the more rays you need. I mean, the they're more. talking about doing stuff in the five to twenty rays per pixel, and then you use the tensor cores and the AI denoising structure mm-hmm. or uh, uh, technology to, all, to, to kind of. Make it make it uh, put it make together. it better faster, yeah. right? It's Without like a Z code, but for rays. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, and to keep in mind, these go up to forty-eight gigs. Uh, they support two cards uh, in, with NVLink, right? So there's an NVLink connection between them. Okay. Um, and I think Jeremy's post maybe had a little bit more detail in here. Yeah. So the Quadro RTX. Um, Six, so here's the interesting thing. It has 16 teraflops of single precision compute. And I think the 1080 Ti has 12? 12? I think so. 15? I think that's 12. right. I think it's 12. So you're looking at a 25% increase in single precision performance, which if you're, if you're just like, hey, how much faster is it going to be in Far Cry 5? Maybe that gives you an idea. We don't really know what the clock speeds are <laughs> specifically yet and, and a bunch of other stuff. But... Um, if you're thinking about that, that's what it is. But it's interesting that, you know, if you assume that the RTX brand and all the rumors and leaks and, you know, people dissecting the video that NVIDIA put out on on YouTube and stuff, and they, they basically everyone has come to the conclusion that it's going to be a GeForce RTX instead of a GeForce GTX with the new parts, that NVIDIA is not going to just lean on the gaming performance of uh, uh, of, of Turing over pascal but instead what the benefits of the ray tracing and the and the and the tensor cores can do for gaming so it's gonna be really interesting to see what I, they, I mean, they end you, up announcing there. you don't talk about nvidia rtx is the api for ray tracing in games on top of microsoft's dxr unless you're gonna put it right in a gpu that actually plays games yeah 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 you need that to actually render the effects in the game that the people develop maybe on the quadros yeah. well is the, is this targeted at games I mean, no the, I mean, the, quad, the, the one they announced the That's quadro the rtx week. is ProViz. you know it, it's 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 the quadro it's a quadro product mm-hmm. uh, yeah well i mean it, it's a, a low cost uh, product compared to some of the other ones too compared but to like this goes perfectly with the new thread rippers in that it's this market that's never existed where you can get professional level stuff for essentially dirt cheap yeah right like 2300 bucks for the lower cost one i mean it it seems like the target for this is just render farms no this so render farms are what so volta gpu still exists and i'm i don't know what this will be in a tesla form factor or if it will be another architecture but these only can support two gpus interlinked 
right? Mm-hmm. So you're a little bit limited there. I believe NVLink on like the Tesla DGX connects up to 16 GPUs per per node, right? Um, so it's a different interface there. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually has fewer tensor cores than the GV100. It has fewer CUDA cores than GV100, but GV100 doesn't have the RT stuff. It doesn't have the ray tracing technology. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow it's going faster, even with the lower. Faster than? Like faster at what? Weren't we comparing... Uh, Against the 1080 Ti, just before. What? Sure, but the 1080 Ti is not a Volta based. I'm talking the single precision. Which oh is, yes, which is not going to use. It has more CUDA tracks. cores mm-hmm. than a 1080 Ti, okay. but it has less than the Volta GV100. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um. So yeah, actually, this this right here shows that comparison. The 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 Pascal version of it is 13 teraflops versus 16 teraflops. Uh, of shader and compute there you look you're going from 11.8 billion transistors in the pascal version uh to 18.6 billion transistors so a Uh, pretty big increase and a much bigger die too yes that's the jesus part is it this is a big die they are on the 12 theoretical limit yeah yeah Yeah. well isn't gv100 pretty isn't gv100 bigger than that isn't I think yeah, I, I think, think it's around that same size. So yeah, no, reticle limited and TSMC I think is is a little over eight hundred millimeters squared. So, so they're they're within those bounds, but not by a yeah, lot. That, that brings about, up some interesting symmetrical thoughts if you think of this as the potential ten eighty successor. What do they do with the TI? Yeah. Where do you put the stuff? Where do you put the extra cores? Yeah. Good question. Well, so that's the, why it's not a TI anymore. That's why they're going to name it a plus. I would guess I mean, <laughs> it's going to have a daughter thir- board stuck on top. This thirteen teraflops number is like Titan XP, right? Uh, I think I, so. The third. I mean, that's that's the maximum Pascal. So I would assume that the Turing chip they're showing there is going to be the Titan XP, the ten eighty Ti, or, or twenty eighty yeah, Ti, or whatever it is. But still, like yeah, but th- this Turing GPU they're showing is like. If it's the biggest the, they can make, it's the RTX eight thousand, right? Then it would be the GTX ten eighty equivalent in theory. I think they would call. I think that would be the the Titan XP or ten eighty Ti equivalent. Yeah. Well, we usually don't see that at the beginning of an architecture. True. Is the point? That's true, and they may not. They may not launch but it. But they're announcing it differently this time. It might it's be. True. Pricing Very wise, up to ten thousand dollars for that uh, forty eight gig capacity of uh the rtx 8000 um how much that price is just the d or the gddr it is gddr6 i don't know if we pointed that out before yeah i mean this this is it's really impressive stuff they had some amazing demos they showed um it's hard to see here that stormtrooper demo if you remember they showed that at gdc it was a real-time ray tracing demo it was running on four a quadro tesla I thought well, it was on it was on four voltage GPUs, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. V100 GPUs. Yeah, and now they're running it on one Turing, one GTX or RTX six thousand. Not even the highest end. Not even the highest end. That's nope. freaking significant. It is, yeah, because <laughs> before they they had I, they explained it to me at the demo. They had four GPUs running. One of them was doing the shader work. One of them was doing the ray tracing work. One of them was doing the uh, uh, the denoising work, the AI inference yeah. work, and then the other one was there as like backup, picking up the essentially, scraps. yeah. Um, and now they're doing it on one on one product, and it's and it's super impressive to see. Now the question will be obviously for a lot of people that listen to this show is like, okay, what's it going to do for gaming? What's it going to do for 
you know, what engines are going to be. Epic is already, I mean, all, most of these demos are running on unreal engine. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're clearly integrating it. Um, so I'm excited. Honestly, I'm excited. Do you to go to movies we next week? Never. It, never been if you go to movies, this is what that car is for. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. making your movies pretty. Yeah. It's impressive. Um, and, and it, it, it kind of paints an interesting picture of the GPU landscape, right? AMD's kind of, you know, they're behind. Vega is not, was, was already kind of behind what Pascal can do. Now they're going to be another architecture behind. But not only that, but the architecture that NVIDIA has built is doing very different things. It's doing, now Now we assume if this comes to the gaming side, you're going to have AI processing cores, you're going to have ray tracing processing cores in yeah. the GPU. Will AMD have been on that same path with its next generation part and have the same thing? Or you know, will they th- not? This is this is like going from you know DX7 GPUs to DX9. Yeah, I mean, they used to be able to very very simply. It's like you have raster units and you have texture units. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's it. And then they started adding these damn things called shader units, and then shader units turned into vertex and geometry shaders and. Mm-hmm. Pixel shaders and softball. It's <laughs> one one last thing I point out shady. is is this these cars have a three hundred watt TDP, um, but they do support uh, what's virtual link? Uh, yeah, which yes. requires a thirty watt power through that USB C connection Just to the a, headset. It's pass through power. Yeah, yeah, um, and they did you know it, they did say in the Q and A session that you know we we had to incorporate that into the TDP so. They actually said if you're not using virtual link, you'll probably stay under 250 watts. But like this is all is there a new built into it? Like did they revise the PCI spec or some crap to support? I don't know 300 because like I think the max well, it supported was. 250 I think this has an eight and a six pin though, right? Didn't we determine that that would be enough? No, 150, oh, 225. Maybe. Yeah, that would be 300. Yeah, if it has an eight and a six. Okay. Yeah. Although it might be worth uh, doing some investigation and when you get your hands on a card, because I'm sure he's going to be sending you one any day now. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. These aren't shipping until October, I think I was told, the Quadros. So I am, and now that also leads to the question of like, okay, if everybody knows that NVIDIA is launching or announcing gaming GPUs next week at its Gamescom event, Mm -hmm. how long until we get to see those? Mm -hmm. All the rumors, I think we're pointing to like August, late August, right, Ken? Like all the latest. I don't even know anymore. They change all the time. We'll see. We'll see. Go ahead. I was just saying there's one quick thing that came up in the Q&A as well, which was when this sort of technology does eventually hit your desktop uh, and in some sort of a gaming card where it's able to do all of this ray tracing, uh, it's completely theoretical with their denoisers and uh, the uh, DLAA that they've got going. You could take the original friggin' Quake, upscale it and turn it into a ray traced game. There's literally nothing stopping you from doing that apart from the programming. I don't think it, beca- it doesn't become a ray trace game, but it does get upscaled. But, yeah, it'll be upscaled ridiculously. Yeah, they showed video upscaling, photo upscaling. Um, so what is DLAA? I kind of missed that whole thing. That well, is AI-based deep learning anti-aliasing. It's, it's basically yeah, okay. a machine learning algorithm to do anti-aliasing. I didn't, get the, I didn't see a demo of but, it, so I don't know how much... Uh, they, but it, they but sort it, of did the live stream yeah. uh, with Jensen up there. And so essentially what they're doing is they're taking an already anti-aliased image and letting the computer play with it to try and figure out the actual edges of it. Yeah. And so it's training itself to alias it even better. 
or right. anti-alias it even better. But than you have it to do that. Already. You have to do that training beforehand. Right, that's not something that's done dynamically, as far as I as I know, right? And so she you did say it's that costs more than TXAA, yeah, which implies it could be, but I bet you it's going to be much better if you're yeah, doing it beforehand. They, they can generate the algorithm based on all the machine learning stuff, or the you know, and then yes. and then just put it yeah. in like the driver. Sure, and, and that would be something that could be updated over time, right? Yeah. Like where it you know a new game comes out, they add some of those images so, to the training, yeah, and then make a profile. So you know that for, would be a know, game ready driver. Yeah. That would actually make sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think I, if they're going to do that, I'm sure I'm sure that's what they'll do. Yeah. Um, so we'll have more on that. Ken and I are going to be in uh, Germany next week I, just because. So uh, <clears> apparently NVIDIA is having a thing. decided to go on a little trip. You're just going on a trip. All right. Let's, hey, uh, you know, in, in 2004, I suggested to uh, Jensen Wong in a Q&A session about uh, shader-based AA and, and, and the different forms that it could actually use. I can be don't say anything smart like that now. Because I'm really freaking stupid now. Uh, what happened? The last 12 years of uh, 14 <laughs> have been awful. Yeah. I have half the functioning neurons as I used to, as you can well tell. Damage. Fans. Uh, all right. Moving on to the next story. Uh, this one was, this will be pretty quick. The, there was, uh, what was the name of this? The, the, the thing, Feng Wong chip that we kept seeing leaks of showing up in 3D Mark and stuff, yeah. and it was a new APU from AMD. And I think it said it, at first, like the leak showed that it had HBM memory, yeah, and um, nobody knew what this was. People thought theorized that it was AMD's answer to Cabby Lake G. That was going to be like a higher performance APU. As it turns out, this is a processor that AMD uh, was building in a semi custom capacity for a company called Oh Man. Zhongshan Subor, which is a, a giant a, Chinese NES clones, yes. Famicom clones. They're a giant Chinese conglomerate company, but uh, I think a lot, if you have ever heard that name before, it's probably from that yeah. making uh, classic console clones and uh, and selling them. But they built a a an APU that is a eight or is a quad core Zen processor hyper thread or not hyper threaded but smt so eight threads running at three gigahertz no turbo or xfr uh, and the graphics portion is a vega gpu with 24 compute units running at 1.3 gigahertz so pretty high performance chip it is um lower performance than the xbox one x or the ps4 pro i believe definitely the xbox one x it's about the same uh, size gpu that you get in the cabby lake g vega m gh part it's not the gl Part, right so the the higher end the higher end of that they have eight gigs of gddr5 on on a uh, um uh, on the system on the board i think the first reports where it was on the package but amd updated that um this they're building it for a console that looks like that you know like a like a like a console would look as well as a pc as well as a gaming pc and they're going to use this the chip in the chip in both of these so um it, is this a fully Online only console because I see no, no, it has regular ports on the back. It looks like a PC on the back. I mean, these are USB ports, it might just like, have right. controls on the back. It, I, I'm pretty sure if we've seen photos where it like has actual like There's stuff, display outputs. Yeah, it's kind of silly in spot one. Well, I mean, there's there's no optical drive on it. Oh, oh you mean like okay, oh, so. sure, oh, well, uh, screw that then. Yeah, I don't know, could be up top, maybe, I don't yeah, know. maybe. 
Good point. Might just I mean, there's many uh, mysterious folds in there. That's true. If you, you know what I mean. You could have a slot, a slot in uh, it, disk it could drive be, in and there. It would yeah. be hidden until you yeah. shove it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So this is an interesting thing. It kind of answers a question that's been hovering over us. It's another semi-custom design for for AMD, but uh, they weren't out there touting it in the same way they would a Sony or Microsoft design. I think we're not really sure what this is going to sell like, if it's going to be a moderate seller or a huge seller, right? The Chinese market is enormous. Uh, if this were something that caught on, it might be a significant revenue source for AMD, but I just, I kind of don't get the impression that's the case. It's just another example of AMD working with a customer, building a part. I think it's the first, it's the first Zen plus Vega APU that uh, uh, has been in a console, right? So yeah. if you're well, thinking well, about yeah, I what... Mean, there's only been one other, and that's the Ryzen 2200 and 2400G. Right. The, the processors that aren't in a console. But I'm saying if, you, if you're looking for maybe a hint of what future consoles may do, some upgraded derivative of this would be possible. Absolutely. Because um, now they've got some of the work under their, under their belt. But are you looking too. forward to importing one of these from China? Zero point. chances of that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I don't know what. Uh, I bet when I send you the AliExpress or Taobao <laughs> link, we'll find one here at some point. Oh, you're probably right. Probably <laughs> right. Uh, Intel had a data center day that Ken attended, where yep. they they announced a whole bunch of they stuff. They announced a whole bunch of crap. a ton of stuff. But like, what's what's the high level of their? Uh, of the stuff that we're going to be interested in. Like so the sort of the here. main takeaway was the they announced a updated Xeon roadmap starting with Cascade Lake later this year, uh, which adds support for the Optane persistent memory, the sort of RAM replacement, or, well, additional to RAM storage. Optane uh, DIMMs, essentially. Yeah, Optane DIMMs. Yeah. Second generation uh, crosspoint. Yeah, that's that doesn't tell anyone anything. That name, though. Yeah, I don't know what that no, means. Still, yeah. but, yeah. optane, optane DC persistent memory. Which, yeah, again, the, still not a great name. name. But yeah, perfect branding yeah. sucks. These have security mitigations in hardware. Yeah, they, said Lake does. they have security mitigations for side channel attacks in hardware. Didn't say anything more than that. Oddly enough, oh really? Okay. Yeah, they just kind of glossed over that and so, went ahead. I don't want to talk about it. I can assure you. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Cascade Lake. The Optane, uh, the Optane memory DIMMs are uh, encrypted. Hardware okay. encryption in and out. Okay. I did not know that. Meaning that if you, you know get physical access to the server and you just yank the DIMMs out of it, <laughs> Yoink. you ain't you ain't getting anything off of them. Uh, they also announced a framework called Intel Deep Learning Boost that'll make its initial appearance in the Cascade Lake stuff. Uh, Vector Neural Network Instruction. Yeah, so that's what they're starting with. It's essentially kind of a subset built on AVX 512, from what I understand, that allows acceleration for deep learning inference. Okay. Which they made a lot of point on. Intel said something like, uh, the vast majority of inference and deep learning already happens on Xeon. Yeah, no, I believe that. Which, I mean, it's servers sense. that yeah. already exist. It's yeah. processors you already own. Yeah. GPUs yeah. are expensive. Yeah. You already have Xeons in your servers. Yeah. So for inference, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, is is the deep learning boost, you said it makes a first appearance in Cascade Lakes Prize. Is it something that, is it a hardware capability? Is it a software capability? If they, uh, if they add it to the instruction set. It seems right. a bit of both. Okay. Yeah. 
but the, sort of the major because they do DLP mention thing. Yeah, they mentioned Cooper Lake. Yeah, as the 2019 product. Yeah. Um, so so that, that seems to be what deal next boost will, gen hit its, DL boost. will hit its stride with okay. uh, the addition of the beat float, B float 16 uh, data structure directly in hardware. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. is a Intel or not, sorry, an Intel, a Google sort of pioneer data structure for deep learning that allows essentially for the same precision as a double precision floating point, yeah. but within 16 bits. Yeah. Huh. Not entirely sure how it happens. Read the Wikipedia article, not smart enough to figure it out. Yeah, that's, but, that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that's sort of the story. Uh, I think no, I think I did. The, it moves the um, uh, the decimal to the right, essentially in yeah. the number. The Menenza, right? or so you can called? get this. You can get the same because you don't need as much precision on the other side of the Correct. decimal. Correct. Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah. that's that's Intel's kind of big push going forward for deep learning is the BFOAT 16, and they're going to start implementing acceleration in hardware and support for hardware in that, with, starting with Cooper Lake. They also which, show Ice Lake on here, but it's not listed until 2020. Yeah. I had read that, that there's going to be some overlap between Cooper Lake and Ice Lake. Yeah, they're kind of billing Cooper Lake and Ice Lake as a sort of a drop-in compatible upgrade. So if you end up buying Cooper Lake servers, then you can sort of slot in Ice oh, Lake gee. as needed. What a smart idea. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh. They built it at such an advantage. <laughs> that whole socket being able to put a newer generation CPU in there just yeah. makes so much sense. Not to uh, Intel. <laughs> any other kind of takeaways that you that you found from the from the data centric innovation uh, summit? What a great name! I mean, there's some cool stuff that I didn't kind of know Intel was into. One of the things that they talked they had a sort of breakout session about was silicon photonics. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I had no idea until it was in this business. Yeah. It's essentially implementing things like 10, 40, and 100 gig optical transceivers in silicon instead of using traditional optical techniques where you have a bunch of, bunch of mirrors and lenses that you have to precision place into a transceiver so they can do it a lot cheaper. Although... I remember... I, I knew they were in it. Yeah. It's one of those things that they have been developing for... I mean, I probably... When I saw it in their labs, it was probably five years ago. Yeah. Right. Um I, I would be curious to see kind of what the state of it is. So yeah. changes there, you know, AMD's, AMD, Intel's going to have a lot of stuff going on between now and the end of the year, it feels like, it, right? Both lies. server side, notebook side, desktop side, um, you know, HEDT. They've, there's a lot of wheels spinning. It's going to get very complicated. Very quickly. Very quickly. Uh, and it's going to be just as busy the second half of the year. I mean, shit, it's already mid-August. It's, we're not even, I don't even want to call it the beginning of the second half of the year anymore. But hey, college football, right around the corner, 10 days. Yeah, apparently the Bengals played a preseason football game yeah. while I was gone. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> I have season tickets. Had no idea. So, so did the Bills. Yeah. Uh, new quarterback. Before we get to the next news story, real quick, we did get a new patron uh, from, oh my God, OMG thought Ken was a goner. Hashtag Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> Just became a six dollar and sixty six cent patron. Stormtrooper oh, nice. is Stormtrooper's <laughs> going to shoot his gun. They, at they Alex can't hit first. anything, so don't mm. worry about. Ken. He's he's watching over us. He's actually protecting us. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh uh, no, it's more that they'd be aiming at Alex. And there you go. <laughs> oh, he's lowering his weapon. He's lowering his weapon slowly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I can't make myself. Shit of this job. He's <laughs> saying lower your weapons. 
It's the default behavior because they always miss. So the Nothing arms see just here. naturally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get to the last of these news stories quickly. Samsung begins mass production of its QLC SATA SSDs. Yeah, their for press consumers. release. Uh, so it comes out like a day before Flash Memory Summit starts, mm-hmm. and the press release was worded kind of funny. It was like, uh, "Yeah, they're doing the world's first QLC." And then there well, was, at that point, they were. The as, next day, as not far, so much. As far as they knew, I guess, they were like, yeah, we're going to start making the world's first. And then it oh, was like... I think like, they knew. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. But this yeah, was the, not accidental timing. The day before Intel launched their QLC SSD for consumers. Yeah. yeah. But Intel had never announced a QLC SSD for consumers. That is true. So that Samsung true. announced the first one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Any, I, anything stand out here from theirs versus what we talked about? Uh, I mean, we don't know yet. Maybe it still works how QLC works. They're adding another bit per cell. It's going to be. <laughs> Are they? You know, do we know if they're having a? Do they have a caching system? Do we know any of that yet? Uh, well, they already Samsung already has a dynamic cache on top of a with static TLC. cache with their TLC drives. So even if they ported that over, it would be similar. It wouldn't be as right. large of a cache as like what Intel is doing so far. Uh, if they, assuming they use the same exact thing, but you know, wouldn't be hard for them to just kind of. You know, turn those dials a little bit and make it work a different way if they wanted to, um, since they control the whole thing. Like, you know, Samsung products have all, all parts inside are Samsung. So, right, you know, right. The, the memory, the controller, and the flash, right? So they, they have more control there. Uh, I did see it look like they were going for the super huge capacity first with this, and then they were going to do the smaller ones later because Samsung, okay. are, Samsung already has TLC to kind of help them be cost effective even though it's going to not be as cost effective sure. as the QLC stuff. Um the whole theme I kind of saw throughout Flash Memory Summit was everybody else that, that was a flash maker was kind of like all over the QLC thing and was already talking about products that are potentially coming or like you know they were already there and they were sure. briefing it and keynoting it. Samsung was not at Flash Memory Summit. So I don't know how to interpret that for sure. <laughs> the way I heard it is they didn't get their money back when there was a massive fire last year, so they said, F you. Oh, you heard that? <laughs> I heard that. I mean, that's a plausible theory. That's an entirely plausible theory because that was kind of a big letdown last year at Flash <laughs> so Memory Summit. It was like they were the title sponsor of the Flash Memory Summit where there was a massive fire. Yeah, and nobody got to see the show for <laughs> at all. Weird. Right? So to go from that, but... Was this in Santa Clara? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the thing is, like... Samsung is like the largest player in this, and they weren't at the Flash Memory Summit, where all of the other players were. Sometimes there. giants guys, get a little full of themselves. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, don't be a player hater. I don't know. Just really weird to have. He Samsung just hates the flame. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for so your how tor- big was their biggest drive? Four terabytes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it was Toshiba that was showing off the eighty-five terabyte. Well. I mean, Samsung has shown off crazy high capacities in the past okay. as well, and they, they could... This is one they'll actually sell. Yeah, yeah. I think Probably. they might have got the hint that they kept talking about these, you know, 32 and 64 terabyte parts that, like, nobody can buy anywhere except for one or two OEMs that are buying, you know, they have, like, the only contracts possible with them or something, yeah. and nobody even knows who the people are that can buy them. So it's like, okay, don't, don't show this off anymore if it's, you know, so maybe they Fair. got that hint. And they're just talking about, you know, realistic purchasable capacities now. We did get, we got another uh, Patreon update. Uh, HardOCP.com and HardForum.com actually lowered his uh, (laughs) patron from $5 to $3. And I was going to give him a big middle finger on the stream. But then he upped it from $3 to $8. I'm not exactly sure if that was a typo. (laughs) 
or what. Uh, but thanks to uh, whoever runs HardOCP.com and HardForming. I don't know. Some strange guy. I don't know. There's a guy named Kyle who always links in our chat room to HardOCP.com. It's probably yeah, that can't guy. Be him. It's probably, chat it's room probably. trolls. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. He always Come talks on about mailbags and slapping on chins. It's terrible. Yep. Doom Eternal gameplay from QuakeCon 2018. Look pretty good. Yeah. Really look pretty good. Yeah. It's six minutes in or so. Yeah, Oop, there we yeah. go. There's uh, interesting like new mechanics they added. Whoa, what's the? Why is that like so a jetpack or something? Oh, oh. It, it's the. That there's like a chain. There's a grappling hook. Right. You got a grappling hook, man. It's yeah. Bionic Commando. Yeah, and, capturing uh, video is not great. Find the find the YouTube video on there. Yeah, it's got. I the, think this nope. this game, uh, you know, the last Doom was you know a moderate success slash an amazing <laughs> one. So uh, you know, this yeah, the better for the dad on the Not a shock one. here. That is an interesting. Oh, is that mechanics. a grappling hook? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can like launch mm. yourself in airborne with that. And I saw and, like that yellow pipe that he swung across. It was very. Um, what was the, the EA game that... Mirror's Edgy. Yeah. Mirror's Edge, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah. yes. Well, th- this reminds me a lot of uh, Quake 1's Capture the Flag, like the original, just yeah. how fast-paced it is, the yeah. you know, the extreme movements. And- <laughs> yeah, it's an obvious double jump, and you can you can pull and drag and swing. This, this yep. is going to be amazing. Yep. When's it supposed to be out? No release date has been announced. Yeah. Yep, it'll be yeah. out. The worst. And... Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy it, but you, apparently you can invade other people's games and you take over one of the demons. Yeah, you and can, yeah. the demons. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound pretty fun. <laughs> does sound pretty fun. And you can have like a team of demons. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a little like team play against like, all right, so there's poor little Johnny playing, playing Quake. A, like, a brigade of demons? Yeah. All right, Jeremy, tell me about the Coffee Lake S uh, rumors floating around. No. Yes. The sooner you do it, the sooner we can stop. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, it's looking like uh, about the same time your pumpkin spice lattes will be arriving, beginning of October, your Coffee Lake refresh will arrive, which may or may not be Coffee Lake S. Uh, we've got pretty much all of the information going uh, from this. It's, once again, just a little bit of a jump up in the uh, Frequency, so the 9900K, the top one, will have a boost clock of 5 gigahertz, which, I mean, mm-hmm. y- you can't complain about. Honestly, I hope it hits like, 5 gigahertz more often than the 8086K Yeah, did. we were not impressed like ever. that much with that. Yeah, that would be a, mm-hmm. that would be yeah. a plus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and in theory it will, but, cause it, but it's still 14 nanometers, so... I mean, they're getting better at 14 nanometers, so in theory <laughs> we're going to see something a little bit better in the the energy efficiency and keeping heat down. Yep. And the other two are about 4.9 gigahertz, the uh, 9700K and 9600K. So, I mean, hey, it's it's nothing to jump up and scream into the mountains about, but it's, it's a nice little jump, and it's going to fit in your current uh, system, so you don't have to get the brand-new motherboard, which is a nice thing from Intel for a change. Ken, any thoughts here? It won't fit in my current system. I have a Z270 board at home. <laughs> I'm not that I'm bitter about <laughs> it at all. all right. You could try it. It'll fit. It'll you know, fit. It won't work, post. but it'll fit. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else we got there? In- oh, yes. Let's talk about these things. There is now a Twitter account for Intel Graphics. It is at Intel Graphics. 
And uh, and they actually show the real card. It's the real card. We finally so know real. what the first dis- oh, because no. the first thing you do when designing <laughs> a graphics architecture is design the form factor of the card. Yeah, you design the cooler exactly. first. two years in advance of when it's going to be released. You plasma cut it. It's- so Intel Graphics created a Intel created a Twitter account and they created this video, this kind of teaser video, and they they talk through some of the milestones, some of the um uh, uh you know the things that they've done, you know take it for what it is, right? They talk about playing Netflix in 4K for the first time. They talk about being the first DX12 compliant GPU in integrated graphics. Um, you know, they talk about what they've done for esports, coming to mobile devices, uh, their developer relations. But then they also, they, they show a, you know, and in 2020, there is this, this discrete card they're showing it, and the, and the phrase they use is they will set our graphics free, which I don't even I don't know what that means yet. Well, I can assure you that they're not free. It'll be an open source architecture. Yeah, obviously. of course. And and they're not and they're not and they are gonna charge you for this product whenever it comes out. <laughs> but there's like a, a a little there was like a little silhouette of the of the video card, right? And holy moly did did the internet eat that shit right up? Like <laughs> there are headlines out there about Intel teasing uh, Arctic sound graphics card coming in 2020. And it just blows my mind that somehow people don't realize this is probably some default uh, uh, three dimensional, like 3d data set that somebody got and put together. It's like, also, I don't know. We just got to put that on there. Also, that's only a single slot card. It, Ken pointed out. It looks like a half slot card or something like yeah, that. It's very thin. Mm-hmm. It's and I yeah. can't see the fan. Yeah, because like it's no gonna fan. need one. It's passive cooled, I'm sure. It's just somebody. Oh, sure. Somebody was just like, "Yeah, 3D graphic, a GPU. Okay, here, square." Yeah, for people right. to believe that this is in any way indicative of something that will be coming in 2020 is is nutso. So, heck, you can't even see the the, the power connections. There are it, none. it has not. I told you it's passively yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's missing it's a key. Free. It, no, it's missing the key in the PCI not, slot, by the way. Maybe so that it's won't power it free. It's heat free. <laughs> it's everything free. You don't yeah. even need golden fingers to plug it's it in. You just wave free. it by the system. Uh, I see. <laughs> the joke is that it's free as in it's integrated in your processor already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, great. We're going back to Slocket then. To be perfectly honest, like we... First. We, we know what they're doing. They're going to make discrete cards. It's going to be for, for professional markets, enterprise markets, gaming markets. They've said all of this. 2020 is the timeline for when that will start. Uh, it's important for them to start this, this kind of messaging. They want to talk about, hey, we're taking gaming seriously. We're taking graphics seriously. Uh, although I just think the, the, the people latched onto the wrong thing because it's the only thing that was like new and sexy and interesting. Right. You know, and yeah. uh, maybe a little bit of a mistake there kind of in- including that at the end, but SIGGRAPH already happened or is it happening? SIGGRAPH, I think ends today. Uh, drags on. Yeah. till Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So they didn't do anything at on. No, they, they had, all, they have a booth at SIGGRAPH, but they did not have this card. Well, I didn't mean a card. Sitting there like, or this you know, demo. Th- this video just showed up. It's part of a, you know, marketing okay. campaign, what have you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a controversy that's been going on, you know, so there you go. That's probably not what the GPU is going to look like. I can assure you guys, this will not be the last time we hear about Intel graphics before 2020. Okay. Not be, and it shouldn't be, uh, also on the Intel news, there was another speculative execution problem that popped up. I guess it was yesterday or the day before, no 14th yesterday, um, AKA the Q3 2018 speculative ex- execution side channel update. 
Uh, what is the name of this new one? L. It's L2, isn't it? I thought I was looking for an L2 one. Foreshadow. Oh, L1TF. Yep. L1TF. L1 Terminal there, Fault. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Terminal Fault. Uh, uh, it, it is, again, a similar, like I said, it's in the side channel. Um, AMD claims that their architecture is not vulnerable to this. Interesting. You know, it's one of those things. So AMD talked, or Intel talked at that data center day that Ken went to all of, you know, about hardware mitigation for mm-hmm. these side channel attacks. Yep. So after that, I expected this to get a lot more of attention. Like people should be hammering on Intel's like, okay, you said cascade Lake's going to support this. Is this going to be mitigated from this or is this that's, too new? That's a really good question. Right. Um, or is your hardware mitigation allow you the flexibility to make these modifications I would at the th- hardware level as they show up. I would think that it would need to be at least flexible enough or just general enough that this would just be naturally included in whatever changes they had to make. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this addresses all the same processors, all the way up to eighth generation, you know, X series for X299, all your Xeons, blah, 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 the same, same type of stuff. But as far as why it didn't get like a bunch of press, like a whole lot of press, because yeah. like with all the Spectre and Meltdown stuff, it's almost like, you know, in Clue, when they've killed the fifth person in the mansion, yeah, and everybody just kind of yeah. like, you know, oh look, another side channel attack. Yeah, okay, I agree, and and it's kind of I don't want to say it's disappointing, but it is a little. We knew there were going to be fortunate. Yeah, like, I don't know th- if we thought there were going to be this many kind of in the quicker cadence that that they've been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is another like virtual machine. Concurrent, yeah. concurrent thread running side channel access deal. Uh, uh, I didn't get into the detail what the specific some, difference was. Ability to but. glean some sort of information about other things running in other pro- processes on the system. I like the, I like the phrasing of it. Has the potential to improperly infer data values from multiple types of computing devices. Infer. Yeah. So this this will probably be something I have. Uh, I'll have a conversation with Intel this week about and figure out. See if it's fixed in the yeah. new stuff. That's I'm, the yeah. most important question. I, I think I've gotten emails from all the v- major hosts so I, far. I got, all been I got the patched. Red Hat email already on this. Like That's actually what tipped me off that there was even a thing, right, is I got the email from Red Hat about, hey, we've, we've, uh, we want to talk to you about this thing. And I got something from uh, who's the host that does the, the IRC server, Ken? DigitalOcean? Yeah, they sent out something about this yeah, thing and how it was going to affect their mm-hmm. – yeah. Yeah, red hot response to L1 terminal fault slash foreshadow. People are getting pretty good at, at patching these, apparently. Yeah, it's like they had prior. Well, they're probably similar. Yeah, yeah. Well, speculation branch, more or less, isn't it? Yeah, basically, you just modified the kernel behavior for, you know, whatever they're trying to take advantage of, and you can patch around in the kernel. It's not going to be as optimal as like hardware, just natively not being vulnerable through this vulnerability an unprivileged attacker can bypass access restrictions and read privileged memory that's the uh that's the red hat summary of this particular thing sounds and yeah speaking of uh pharaonix i think they have already posted uh benchmarks of what happens when you apply the the uh, patch oh anything amazing i only got the email i didn't actually have a chance to look at it now i'm seeing if i can take a look at it all right, everybody, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Mine is uh, something that 
we got this in. I was going to say we're going to test this out. I don't think you really need a bunch of testing now. This is um, remember that's, the that's more pictures than testing. Yeah, the the Gigabyte Aorus RGB memory, right? It comes with four DIMMs. Might be hard to tell on camera, but if yeah, it's hard to tell. Alan, you can see here. You can for the audience, please verify that they look like DIMMs. These have those have pins connectors. These do not, oh, except have, for the front some, DIMM to just, get the power. They have just the power connectors. Just the power connectors and, the, and probably the SM bus. Connector. Yes. So these are uh, – this is a 16-gig kit, I believe. I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah. So two 8-gig modules that have actual memory on them uh-huh. and two modules that have no memory on them but and instead the LEDs, but they have the same heat sinks on them and all that. Because memory is too damn expensive. Memory is very expensive. Um, <laughs> so if you want to look like you're Mac people are – I actually – you know, when, <laughs> when I first saw this press release, I was like, this is such a stupid idea. But then I was like – Well, no. If you can fill all the slots in the system. It actually makes – it's – it's actually a really good idea. Now, there's still a price premium for this, right? You're still yeah. paying for... But it's probably like 5 or 10 You can feel, you can feel the weight difference ah. in the two packages as well. Like there's oh, a yeah. pretty significant <laughs> weight difference on that. You chipped me up my hopefully, chips. Hopefully, they, they don't use as much like metal in the heat sink No, I think side. it's the same exact thing. Now, think of how much money you could save if you just got four of those fake dims. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're on to something. You know, You're just something. think, if, if the RD RAM people had taken RGB into account that they could have really monopolized. I mean, because had you had started to have out the, with RGB. Uh, you had to have the uh, Terminator dims. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if you could have had them all light up, then our DRAM would have taken off. Seriously, they 1998. Call, the packaging calls this 2X RGB-infused demo modules. Mm-hmm. RGB infused. I, like, like, I want to hate it, but, like, it's fine. I th- yeah, exactly. Like, I, I am curious. I mean, the thing it's is, that I paid twice that much in Canadian dollars for 32 gigs of DDR4-3600. Yeah. That's pretty fast. Oh, and, and it's got RGBs. I'm going to have to figure out how to turn off when it eventually arrives. But uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, you, you can get 16 gigs of memory at DDR4-3200 for... 60 bucks less than what these are selling for. So yeah. you are paying a premium. Not You can't get RGB memory for 60 bucks less. But for example, like G-Skill has their Trident Z RGB 16 gig kit um, DDR4-3200. That's 249 It's actually more than mm-hmm. this with the, with the dummy modules. So, mm. you know, memories, memory prices are definitely variable right now. So it's something worth paying attention to. Um, I'm going to feel so bad for these companies when the big supply glut that they've got going is going to start crashing their prices. You're going to feel bad for them, are you? Very, very, very bad. (laughs) I bet you are. I bet you are. All right. So that's mine. Um, Let me see who else we got here. We've got Jeremy and uh, then Josh. Jeremy, what do you got for me? A decent deal for Canadians. Uh, If you're not going to go absolutely insane and pay... A decent price for a Threadripper and a stupid amount of money for an X399 board. Why not a Ryzen 7 1800X for 320 bucks? Which, if I do my math, is like 250 American. 250, 260, yeah. Yeah, that's not actually bad probably at all. 250 or dollar took a dive. Yeah, yeah. It's as I was leaving your airport, a decent one. As I was leaving your airport this morning, I believe it was one to one point two seven. That was with the, sounds about right. Was yeah. With the fee involved as well. Mm. That's a pretty good deal, right? I mean, like 2700X is going to be a better processor, but not by a huge amount. And the, the, the yeah. doesn't have that Save same that price. Money. No, it does not. No, it does not. You are correct. And you can grab a motherboard for this thing for like, even if you go with a crazy uh, 
add on one, 120 bucks, 140 bucks. Yeah, if you go down to B, uh, four, no, no three, I can get an X for that. Oh, you can get an yeah. X. Oh, really? For that. Yeah. Well, I'm saying oh, yeah, if you're trying to save even more 100. money, you can get a B series. True. Now, I was trying to debate if it was 450 or 350. 450. 450. 450. The Intel one is B. You could probably 360. get for 40 bucks. Ugh. Sure. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, all right, Josh. What Me? SSD have you picked this time? STD. Uh, I'll 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 take take chlamydia because it's not as painful for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plus, your is more fun though. Yeah. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What do you got? Uh, you know, uh, it's on sale right now. Get it while it's hot. The uh, Western Digital uh, WD Black 500 gig. It's their new faster one. It's 149 for the 500 gig. And if you compare it against the, uh, you know, Samsung 970 Evo, it's cheaper. It's probably faster overall than the Evo. Not as fast as the Pro, maybe. But it's, uh, yeah, add, add that to the cart. That's good for you. What, well, what else you got Two in that items. cart? Two, Two items. Do? I don't know. What the hell? I don't know. What the hell's going on? Oh. Uh, it anyway, must have removed it. Uh, you know, it was. It's, uh, WD came, came back with a... Uh, with passion, with the, their their new NVMe stuff, and it's it's pretty good. Yep, and it's inexpensive as compared as well. Unfortunately, that new Intel 660P kind of undercut stuff. that, didn't it? Kinda sort of did. I actually made that my pick. Hundred uh, hundred bucks for a five hundred gig. The 660P Intel? is going a little bit above MSRP right now. On Amazon, it's actually more. Um, on Amazon, it's like 112 or something, but it's all third-party sellers at this point because the whatever the original supply mm-hmm. sold out, right? Uh, but it's 105 on Newegg, so five bucks over MSRP. Boy, that's 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 hard to that's compare. Pretty good. Now, granted, yeah, granted, uh, that that Western Digital Drive is still a faster drive. Like it sequentials are sure. faster, and you know you can you can beat on it as far as doing writes for longer periods of time and not worry about like caches running out. It still has a cache, but like it's it's you know. Slower speed is way faster than the, the cache empty speed of this, but still, you know, good all around drive. Freaking almost a hundred bucks for half a terabyte. Like that's getting to the point where it's just like default OS yeah. drive, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's not a hard sell anymore. If I were building a machine today, I would probably put. Probably just go up to the two terabyte drive if they were available at their MSRP, right? Four hundred bucks for the two terabyte. Yeah, and I wouldn't have a hard drive, right? Right. I've had whatever network storage I would have, and then mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't even have a hard. Drive. Yeah, I mean, I don't even have two terabytes in my home system. I just have a bunch of stuff on the NAS. I have like one terabyte in my home yeah. machine, and that's me who's usually like storage yeah. nut. Oh, you but, poor man. No, I just <laughs> don't need. You know, it's, you just, if, if it gets full, then it's like, well, let me just throw some. Some of that junk onto the NAS, mm-hmm. right? That's, you know. All right, everybody. That's it. That's our show for this week. Thank you for joining us. Um, Ken, like I said, Ken and I will be gone next Wednesday. Oh, we leave again. F- yeah, we leave Friday to go to Cologne. Main Leben. Uh, but Alan will be <laughs> here. Alex will be knee. here. You guys will be here. Should be able to do a show mm-hmm. if nothing else. And uh, I bet you'll have some interesting stuff to talk about. In regards to NVIDIA graphics. 
Maybe, mm. I guess. Uh, mm. PCPer.com slash podcast. Go there. Find all of our MP3 links, RSS files, YouTube videos, uh, show notes, links to all the stories and pics that we had this week as well. PCPer.com slash podcast. We appreciate everybody uh, for listening, and we'll be back next time with another episode. Bye, everyone.